it is way more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I just want to pray over our tithes and offerings this morning and then get into the message. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. I thank you, Lord, that it is such a blessing to be able to give. Thank you, Father God, for the abundance that you do give us because everything we have is yours. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can honor you with our finances and our giving. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we're all just distribution centers here while we're on this earth for a short time, Lord, that it's just money comes flowing in and then flowing out to the places that you've ordained it to go. And so we thank you, Lord, that every bill is paid, every need is met. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, open with uh, your Bibles uh, to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And I want to pick up here this morning uh, where we left off last week. Uh, and I'll give, a little, I'll give a real quick recap of where, uh, where we were last week. And I've been doing, well, actually, Pastor Jack Robleski from you know, our pastors growing up, he gave a message two weeks ago would be three weeks ago now, I guess, uh, on the flock of God. And then I really felt led in my heart to really do this message on a reflections from rest on the family of God. What does the family of God look like? How does it operate? And during that month of June that I mentioned earlier while we were, while we were uh, off on kind of on vacation or sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, the Lord just began to reveal to me that what a healthy family looks like. And this message is for families as well as for the family, the church family. So every point that I have, everything that I mention, I want you to understand this morning that it, it applies both to your family, you know, the, your micro family, the family that it, you are a part of uh, in relation with, and then it also has everything to do with the family of God. Because we know that a healthy family is a healthy family. And we also know that the Bible clearly states that we are, as a church, the family of God. And I want to go back to uh, something I began talking about last week is, do you, know, do you guys know what our tagline is for this church? Our tagline for this church is a family church. Erie Christian Fellowship Church, a family church. It's on your pens. If you took a pen from the back this morning, a family church is on there. If you open up our website, the very first words, is it on the pen? John, confirmation. Okay. You know, your very first word that you see across the top, it says a family church. So I think it behooves us to understand what does that mean? What does that look like? And I know, and, we're, and I probably, I'm not going to go through it today, but we have, you know, our vision slide. We've got the Route 79 and Route 90, the cross that goes across northwest Pennsylvania, reaching a million souls for Jesus Christ. We want to see the lost saved, the sick healed, lives transformed, families thriving. And that gets us very excited. But that's every church has a similar mission. Yeah? Every church is working to do those things. But what makes Erie Christian Fellowship Church? Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And I believe as we are a family church. And I, I, talked, I began talking about that last week. And I'm, I'm not going to go through it all. If you missed last week, I highly encourage you to go back and listen, uh, listen to that message. But I went through three points. And those three points from last week, I just want to reiterate them quickly because it has to do with vision for the church moving forward as well. And the first one was, is a healthy family spends time together. And I, you know, again, I'm not going to go through it all, but what a healthy family does is it spends time together. 
That's what healthy families do. And the vision for our church moving forward is that we will continue to have and have more events where we are coming together as a church family. Not just on Sunday mornings, but more times where we're gathering together. More small groups where we're gathering together. An example would be what the youth did yesterday, right? The senior high youth went on a walk in Asbury Woods. It was a little bit last minute, but sometimes, you know what? Last-minute things happen in families, and we reached out to all the senior hires, and 11 or 12 of the kids came with, with Andy, and they had a great time at Asbury Woods, and they went for a walk. So more of those type of events we see happening for all different age levels. We want to see the healthy family that spends time together. The second point from last week was a healthy family has an authority structure. A healthy family has an authority structure. God has placed and ordained people to be in authority over families, over churches. And I, did, I walked through what an elder means and the elder job and the position. And I just like, ooh, I just touched it so, so briefly. Because I'm going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But essentially, just like a healthy family in your home has an authority structure, the church also has an authority structure. And those that God has placed over that church or that structure, their primary responsibilities are protection, direction, and correction. And I mentioned a little bit about godly order. And I want to just, I didn't really get into this last week, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Because I think that godly order and mutual submission within a family has, uh, has got a bad name. Anybody understand what I'm saying there? It's, it almost has a bad reputation. This word submission, I think, has an extremely wrong connotation, specifically in our society, right? How many know of mixed martial arts fighting? Yeah? The UFC, mixed martial arts. The goal of those two people fighting each other, listen to the word, fighting each other, so is that one will submit and this is, this is the, I mean, we hear it, somebody taps out, yeah? The goal of relationships in godly order, specifically a husband and wife, is not so that one taps out. It's not so one says, oh, like, you know, arm bar, twisting my arm back, I submit, I submit, right? We have this horrible idea of what submission is and what godly order really means. And I want to talk about it just for a minute. It has nothing to do with the points. I'm going to get to the rest of the points about a family, but I think this is important to understand. Godly order, godly order means this. It means that there are individuals, specifically let's talk about in a family, a husband and wife, where there is actually mutual submission. Whoa, Pastor Jason. It says in the Bible that wives submit to your husbands. It also says in the Bible that there should be mutual submission. And husbands, it also calls out that you ought to love your wives. Do you know, husbands, that if we would love our wives as Christ loved the church and lay down our lives for them, that the act of them saying, I am submitted to your authority as a church, is actually not all that hard for them to go do. And there's this sense of a mutual submission that begins to operate. I think I said last week, I asked, you asked my kids, said, you know, who's in charge of your family? Well, dad and mom are. Well, what do you mean dad and mom? Well, they're both in charge of our family. Well, how can it be both be in charge? And this is how this works. This is a sense of a mutual submission to each other. And let me give you some practical examples in our family on how this works. 
How many like some practical examples of how this thing actually plays out in our family? So here, here's what happens. So in the, at the end of the day, push comes to shove. The ultimate, complete, total, ends up responsibility before God ends up falling on me. However, I know that, and I also know that he has put me with this amazing woman who has wisdom and counsel and advice and intelligence, and it means that I, it would behoove me to get that mutual input from the other person. And so as we make decisions in our family, it's not, thus saith the man of the family, this is a direction we're moving and everyone is going to follow me. Like, that is not what the Bible talks about, is men leading your family and wives submitting to your husband. It's not what that means. What it means is this. It means is, I'm feeling the sense of direction being this, or she's feeling the sense of the direction being this. Let's pray about it. Let's spend some time praying about it. Because if we don't move forward in unity, then we are not truly moving forward. Because if you're not unified moving with someone... The other person is somewhere else. They've been left behind. And here's what I have found out in our home. Two things happen when we don't have that agreement, when we don't have that unity and walk forward, whether it's, you know, talking about where our kids are going to do for school, whether we're homeschooling, you know, all the decisions that families have to go make. Here's what happens when I unilaterally make the decision with no input. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. It's, a, yeah, it's expensive, I've, you know, because I'm not getting, God has put us together, in, it's just called godly order, but he called us together to be able to understand and to learn and to do this life together, and so when I make decisions unilaterally with no input, it's expensive. When she makes decisions, or when she has an initiative in the home that she believes wants to move forward... And if I am not on board with that, for whatever reason it is, whether I'm just being lazy, or maybe I really don't think it's the right thing to go do, but I don't really want to say it because she thinks it's the right thing to go do, do you know how well that initiative works in our home? Doesn't. It doesn't work. And so it behooves us as a family to understand godly order, but that there has to be this mutual submission and walking together in love with each other as we move forward. So I thought that was important just to mention, because if there's not unity, someone has always end up being left behind. Then the last thing I talked about last week was a healthy family develops gifts and talents. And I think it's important that we see that in our own family and our children, and as a church, we need to see that in each other. We need to encourage each other in those gifts and talents. We need to see people rise to the positions in which God has placed them within the church. And so here's what I want to pick up in Ephesians 4. I'm going to start in verse 14. So those were the three from last week. They spend time together. There's an authority structure, and we develop gifts and talents. And then we're going to do three more this morning here. Ephesians 4.14 says this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Just stop there for a minute. There's a lot going on. 
There's a lot going on. There's do different doctrinal things happening. There's trickery of men and women that are happening. There's craftiness. There's deceitful plotting. And what really a healthy family does is a healthy family sets boundaries. A healthy family sets boundaries. This is evident in our home. We have to set boundaries with the things that we watch, with the things that our kids are exposed to, and it goes the same in the church as well. God has placed us in a position of authority where we have to help set boundaries for this church. And actually, if you think of boundaries, there's an element of faith that it takes to set a boundary, is there not? Because what you remember the other scripture about talking about being tossed to and fro. It's when we're double-minded. It's when we, we're not quite sure what's happening, what we should do. Should we listen to that or not? A great example is there are lots of prophetic words that are out there that were talking about election and all this other stuff. And there was a time where I had to get up here and say, guys, there's not going to be China and Russia troops in our streets in November, even though there are prophecies out there that say that's going to happen. Right? That is a sense where me, as, as, as the teaching pastor, as the pastor of this church, senior pastor, has to begin to say, hey guys, there's stuff out there, there's some things that are happening that we have to be aware of and be protective of. We have to set some boundaries as a church. Part of this protecting, again, it takes an element of faith, but part of it is protecting us from doing too much, trying to be everything to everyone. You know, as a healthy family, you have to set boundaries in your life, do you not? Be like, you know what, here's another request for our family's time. And you know what, it's okay to say no sometimes. Many of us don't have no in our vocabulary. We had it when we were little. All of my kids have no in their vocabulary, it's very clear. But then sometimes when we get to be an adult and somebody asks us something like that no part of our vocabulary left... Well, yeah, maybe I could do this. Sure, you know, and, and we want to say no, but we do the proverbial, let me pray about it. Right? If you know it's a no, maybe you do have to pray about it. I'm not saying don't pray about it. Please pray about it. But a lot of times we know that there's a no. And so part of a healthy family has to set boundaries for protection. An example in our own family is, you know, Sometimes, how many of you know parenting can get tiring after a while? And at some point down the road after a couple kids and they're getting older, like you start to slip on the boundaries, right? And so my kids would keep coming up to me and they say, hey, Daddy, can we watch this show, Miraculous? I'm like, heck yeah. Like, Miraculous, that sounds fantastic. Sure. I mean, I even believe in things that's on maybe PBS Kids or something like that. I don't know where it is. But it was just like, yeah, sure, yeah, you can watch that show, Miraculous. And then, you know, they become, oh, Dad, can I watch that show again, Miraculous? Oh, yeah, sure, you can watch that show. And then one time, look, I don't know about, I'm not saying anything's necessarily wrong with the show, but for our family, one time it was on in the family room. And I don't know if it was you or somebody, somebody was just like, maybe one of our older kids was just like, uh, Dad, do you know what they're watching? And I was just like, I guess really I don't. 
And they're watching this show that these people were mean to each other. They were belittling to each other. Like it may have said miraculous. And so I'm thinking, hey, absolutely. We're marked by miracles. Hallelujah. That's a word of God from heaven. That show is great. But I never watched the show. I never took the time to set the boundary, to put the protection around our family. And at that moment, we said, all done. Literally, we didn't even let him finish the show. Oh, the fussing. Oh, but daddy, it's just this one. It's just this one show that's bad. All the other episodes are phenomenal. Dad, don't you understand? I love the show Miraculous. And there are kids crying and they're upset. And I said, babe, I, I can't. That's not, that's not the values we want to promote. It's not how you are to be treating your siblings. We can't allow you to watch that anymore. It's done. Five minutes later, they totally forgot about it. They had another show, you know, back to Daniel Tiger, right? Or whatever it was that we did allow them to go watch. But the point is, in our families, we have to set boundaries. We have to have protection over these things. If you are at home watching something on Netflix day or Prime Video or whatever it is, you're just like, like, you, it's okay for you to say, you know what, I'm not going to watch that anymore. It's not adding any value to my life. It's not helping me be a better husband. It's not helping me be a better father. It's not helping me in any way, shape, or form. It is wasting my time. We have to set boundaries in our life. That's what healthy people do. That's what healthy families do. And that's what a healthy church has to go do. We have to set boundaries in our lives. So as a church, what does this look like? I don't totally know, but I can tell you this, is that we will be led by the Holy Spirit. We will be led by the Holy Spirit. We will do what the Lord tells us to go do, and we will not do the things the Lord doesn't tell us to go do. You understand? It doesn't mean that we're going to have a ministry for every single need that's within the church. That's not, we're not called to meet every single need within the church. If there is a celebrate recovery is needed or there's an alcohol problem, whatever, there are many churches that have celebrate recovery. And that's okay. That's what they've been called to go do. So each church, I believe, works together. There are certain things that we will be called to do. There are other things that we won't be called to do. And we have to be able to set those boundaries. Next, next uh, verse here, Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. It may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. A healthy family speaks the truth in love. You're just like, oh, here we go again. Here, this is the one where I don't get a whole lot of amens with. And that's going to be okay. You all will survive we as a church, a healthy family has to speak the truth in love. Our children clearly know that when they are doing something that is out of line, out of order, out of whatever you want to call it, how they're treating someone else, how they're talking about someone else, they know for a fact they will have a talking to. It's not so that we go condemn them so that we make them feel bad in any way, shape, or form, but it's so that they begin to realize, wait a second, the words that are coming out of your mouth, 
The way you are thinking, the way you are acting doesn't line up with the word of God. And in fact, it is actually dangerous for you, my child, to continue to go do that in that direction. And so as healthy parents, we need to speak the truth in love to our children. As a healthy church, we need to speak the truth in love to each other. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to hear. But my Bible says this. My Bible says that let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's actually later on in Ephesians 4. A healthy family cannot allow entitlement. A healthy family can't allow judgment, critical spirit, gossip, offenses to continue. Now look, there are multiple levels of maturity in every family. I understand that my, two, my three-year-old will have a little more coaching needed in order to help her mold her and shape her and disciple her towards the things of God and how she treats and acts others. However, I also have a 19-year-old that I have a little bit higher expectation on that she will begin to, because of that training, because of that maturity, that she will begin to recognize it in herself and begin to take corrective action on her own. And in fact, here's, <laughs> okay, here's a great story that happened within our family. And I just believe our family is a microcosm, like, of the church family. I was standing in the kitchen at one point in time, and I don't remember what was happening in the other room, but our 11-year-old at the time, it was Eva, something was happening between two siblings that were younger than her, and they were fighting about, they were going back and forth. They were, bah, 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 bah. They were like talking at each other. Well, you don't like me. I'm never going to play with you ever again. Like you are never my friend. You can never touch my stuff. You can never, 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 never. And Eva, like I'm watching this whole thing. It was like one of those proud parent moments, right? The 11-year-old walks in and is like, hey, stop talking like that. That's not how we treat each other. That's not how we do things around here. And she gave him like a little mini lecture, and they both stood there kind of looking at her like, oh yeah, okay, she's right. But you see what happens when we have a culture of speaking the truth in love, it begins to disseminate, and everybody begins to speak the truth in love. Now, Eva didn't yell at them. She wasn't harsh to them. But she said, hey, this is the way you need to treat each other. And the kids were like, oh yeah, you're right. So as a church we as a church family need to speak to each other in truth, but in love. Not for the sake of, you know what, I, you know, if you have a moment where, you know what, I'm going to tell that person what for and how to, and you start striding like this as you're getting ready to talk to that person, I would highly suggest that you put the brakes on and reevaluate what you're about to go say, Yeah? Like, we have to do that as parents, like, because when you start getting angry when, this, when the kid's doing something, if you find yourself storming into the room, which I do often, if you find yourself storming into the room to grab one of the kids for how they're acting, like, you really should put the brakes on, because that's not going to be helpful for anybody. Oh, it'll get their attention real fast. But if you notice, disciplining a child when it's not in love actually doesn't work. It actually doesn't work. I, there's all this stuff about whether to spank your child or not. I, I'm not even going to 
Yes, I think, positionally, I think we can do that as parental authority. But let me just say something about it. You cannot do it in anger because it doesn't work. They are not receiving the correction as it was intended. They're receiving it in a different way. And so when, that's what it means by speaking the truth in love. We have to go to that chest. You know, I, what you did, here's the results of what happened. We need to have a time of correction regarding this. And it could be a timeout. It could be whatever. But as a church family as well, so, well, Pastor Jason, what does that mean moving forward? What is his vision point moving forward? The vision point moving forward, it says that as a church, the bar is rising. The bar is rising on those who are spiritually mature to say no more of this stuff that we're going to allow happen in this family. The bar is rising as I and Liz, we will not let these things continue to happen. And here's the reason why. Because you think of the analogy of a, a shepherd who was watching over a flock of sheep. If there was certain sheep that continued to injure the other sheep that were there and cause division and cause strife and cause chaos right in front of you and you did nothing about it, you'd be like, what is that shepherd doing? Like, they need to, like, help those. They're, these people are struggling over here. How can we help them? And so that as a church is what we need to go do. Small group leaders need to do that. Men's and women's group leaders, that's what we need to do. We need to help those be able to understand how to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.16, this will be the last point. It says this, From whom the whole body joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. A healthy family requires participation. A healthy family requires participation. What we have found out in our own family that the only way we're able to have the number of kids that we have to be able to even come to church on a Sunday morning without passing out of exhaustion is because the family participates in helping the family. The older ones help the younger ones. The younger ones have chores that they have to get done and they have to get due. It does not work. It actually limits the growth of a family when not everybody is participating. Let me say it again. You understand that? It limits the ability of the family to grow when not everybody is participating. Because what happens is all of the work and all of the effort falls on the few, and the rest are just enjoying, oh, this is great, I don't have to do anything. And what happens is that few that are doing all the work begin to burn out. That's true in our families at home. That's why I encourage men to participate in their families, in their lives, and with their children. It's also true in the church. And I think an example in this church specifically that I want to share because it's part of the vision moving forward is our kids' ministry. Year after year, for year, actually for 15 years, you could see, if you would chart on a graph, on a piece of paper, the participation of the volunteers in our kids' ministry, those who are participating outside of the person who was leading it, 
the participation level of kids' ministry for 15 years, you can look at it on a calendar, went like this. I'm not giving reasons for it. I'm not saying there whatever the reason was, but the participation level went like this. And what began to happen is more and more onus was put on the one or two people that were doing it. And guess what? One by one, they started to burn out. And you know the names of the people. They burn out, burn out, burn out, burn out. I can't do this anymore. Until right before this whole thing happened in 2020, we as a, as a leadership team said, you know what? We, the two of us, poured a year and a half of our lives into kids' ministry, and it just wasn't happening. And so we said, look, we're going to do, Lord gave us an idea to do sermon bags. for I, We didn't know how long it was going to be for, how long we had to go do it. But what we knew, and, and God, by the grace of God, we did it before COVID even hit. So you guys need to remember that kids' ministry as it looks today has nothing to do with COVID. Kids' ministry as it looks today had everything to do with what God was doing and working in this church saying it is time to do a reset. Remember the word from last week, this addition by subtraction. This dismantling word that says things have to get dismantled so that we can rebuild it with more power. And so we're at a point now where we have, we're saying a healthy family requires participation. And so our heart is that we relaunch the nursery. This is what we want in our hearts. We know we've got a lot of little kids that are coming to this church. Our heart is to eventually to relaunch pre-K ministry as well. But I can tell you this, is that we are unable to do it, just the two of us. We can't do it. It requires participation. And the interesting thing is I believe there are several people who have already raised their hands. We didn't even tell them about nursery, wanting to get relaunched. People have already been raising their hands and say, hey, if you ever start nursery up again, I would like to be one of your volunteers. And so what God is doing in our churches, he is beginning to show the family has to participate in order for the family to thrive together. And so this vision moving forward is, we do, there will be kids ministry. We're believing that there will be nursery and pre-K. Those are the first two things we want to get started. But what we do need is we need people to participate in it. It cannot come down to just the few people week in and week out doing that. Part of participation means this, is that we have to participate without complaint and really without criticism. There's a difference between criticism and giving productive input into something. And it's really the spirit that's behind it. You can say the same words, the same sentence, but when the spirit behind it is different, it comes across completely differently. But participation without complaining, without criticism, is what we as a church family need moving forward. And I believe that God has reset the baseline, and that is the future of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. is a family that is working together, thriving together, serving together, where it's not just a few who are on paid staff that have to do all of the work, but that everyone is equipped to do the work of the ministry. Look at that verse that I just said. From the whole body joined and knit together by that every joint supplies according to the effective working in which every part does its share. If you are part of this church, you're one of those parts. I'm not saying you all have to sign up for nursery. Make it, I'm making it real clear. In fact, there are some of you I don't want you to sign up for nursery. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Amen from Rich, yeah. No, honestly, there, I get it. So 
I just want you guys to know, and let me say something else here. I don't, somebody had said it recently. You don't, okay, serving at the church is, look, I want you to pray, I want you to be led where God has you serving. But serving somewhere in the church is a lot like watching an extremely old woman try to, try to cross the street on her own in a busy intersection. How many of you say, dear Lord, I see this woman and her struggles and the cars that are zipping around her. Lord, Holy Spirit, show me if I should help her or not. You don't do that. You see a need and you're just like, oh my gosh, you don't have to be called to help the old woman across the street. You just do certain things. And so you don't have to be called with the, the, the Lord said, I will do nursery for the rest of my life. No, we're saying is there has to be participation in the church and a family. Guess what? Some of my kids don't want to do the dishes all the time, but they can, so they have to. Right? There are certain things we don't always get to choose all the time what we get to do. But a family requires participation together. Amen? Amen. Sid, you want to come up here? We're going to close. I wrote down, if 20% is doing all the work, burnout happens. This is true. But if 80% are participating, we know that not everyone is able to participate. There are certain seasons in your life where there are certain seasons in your life where we actually, it's okay that you're not participating. There's no judgment. We get there are seasons of our lives where participating isn't as easy or you can't do it. And that's, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there has to be 80% of the people doing the work and not just the 20% of the people. It's a spirit of wanting to serve, of wanting to help, of providing input and feedback. So what's the vision point for our church? We want to get the nursery off the ground. It's time. It's time. We're going to start there. If you're interested, oh, it's not like a, you can come talk to us, whatever, next week, whenever. The goal is when we have enough volunteers committed to say, I will do this, then we will launch. I don't want to launch something halfway that's destined to not be able to make it. So when we have those eight names, I think was our target, so that you can rotate once every two months and you sit down and you're willing to commit to a training session and sit through it for a little bit, we will then launch nursery. And it'll be fruitful. It'll be blessed, both for those serving, for those babies, for those toddlers and those little kids. You see, Liz had a vision of this campus with hundreds of kids running around. Hundreds of kids of all different ages, of all different ethnic backgrounds, running around this campus. And I hold on to some of these words that the Lord has given to us as a church, and I write them down, and I pray over them, and I say, okay, Lord, I remind him of it, not that he needs reminded, but I remind him of it, and I stand, we stand in faith that that will occur, and that will happen. It may not look exactly like we think it'll look. It may not, in fact, it won't look the way it used to look. And I think that's the struggle sometimes that we have as people, right? We say, well, it used to be like this, and I just want it to be that way in the future. God's doing a new thing. 
If he wasn't doing a new thing, he wouldn't have dismantled things in order to clean and polish up all the parts for more power. If he just wanted to do it the same way he did it before, then it would still be happening. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not what he wanted. No matter how much effort, time that we poured into it. But I believe now is the time. He is beginning to rebuild, even with small groups, with nursery. He's beginning to rebuild it so that it's rebuilt with what? With power, as he sees it to be fit. So close your eyes with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. That we can stand on your word day in and day out and the promises that are in there. Father, I thank you, Lord, for healthy families in this church. Father, I speak a blessing over every family represented here this morning. Father, that you would just begin to lead them and guide them into a healthy family relationships with each other. Father, that these points that they will take home and they will meditate on those and you will begin to lead them and guide them in changes that need to happen in their their family's life. Father, I also pray over this church, the family of God, the family of God, that, Lord, that you would continue to anoint and ordain this church as we move forward to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we know that how you're going to do it in the future is different than how you did in the past, Lord, and we are open to the leading of your Holy Spirit of what that looks like. Father, but as a church family, we stand in unity. We stand together, bonded together in love. And Father, I ask that you bless this church and each person here as you begin to rebuild your family for more power. We thank you for it. With every head bowed, I want to ask you a question this morning. You say, Pastor Jason, there's a lot of family talk. And you know, you know I, don't, I don't know what it really means to be part of a family. I didn't see it modeled. I didn't see it growing up. Didn't have a father figure. Mom left me. I don't understand what all that means. I can tell you that God wants you to be a part of his family. God wants you to be a part of his family. He is the great father. He is the great I am. He wants a relationship with you this morning. He wants to go deeper with you. So I ask if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never said, you know what? All that talk about the cross and the blood and the, and, and the body and I just know it to be true. I want to receive Jesus into my heart this morning. I want to be part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up. If you feel your heart beating tremendously fast, feeling like, oh my gosh, 
what's he going to do if I raise my hand up? It's okay. It's just the Holy Spirit working on your life. Won't embarrass anybody. Okay. Look up here. I want to close with this with a benediction. I want to read actually out of Romans 8. At the end of service, uh, I want you to, uh, there's two teams that will be up here that will be, actually a couple teams will be up here to pray with you. If you have a prayer request for anything at all, a need in your life, whatever it might be, maybe you're like, you know what, I didn't want to raise my hand, but I feel like Jesus wants a relationship with me today. Come up here and these, these people will pray with you. They'll agree with you. They'll talk with you. Uh, and they'll just give you just the love of God. They'll speak the truth in love. Amen? That's what they do. So I want to read this over us as we, as we head out. Just a couple reminders. Next week, uh, we won't be here. We'll be in the uh, Lehigh Valley. And Pastor Jim will be here. And Sid and Andy will be here as well, uh, leading the service. Uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention earlier before I close is we need some maintenance and cleaning help at the church. And so if you're here or you're watching online or you'd be like, you know what, that's something I'm interested in or I know someone who'd be interested in helping the church out from a maintenance and cleaning perspective, this one is a paid position. I'm not talking about volunteer positions, but a paid position. Uh, Don, you just want to slip your hand up. Uh, you can see Don after church or call the church office if you know of somebody. Uh, just call the church office and we'll make sure we get that message uh, to Don. So just close your eyes. Let's just receive this benediction this morning. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Father, we just go from this place. Father, with your encouragement... Lord, of what a healthy family looks like. Your encouragement to be part of a healthy church family. Lord, thank you for leading us. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us. Thank you, Lord, for being with us through every up, through every down. And Father, we commit this week to you. Every day we commit to you, to your word, to worshiping you, to seeing you in every situation. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Prayer teams will be up here. Have a wonderful week.